listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Well, I have the opportunity, the privilege to, uh, to preach today um, because Pastor Rocky, a while ago, asked if I would. Uh, he's been a little tied up. He's been a little preoccupied. They've had some things going on. Tristan and Kendall got married yesterday. And, uh, and it was a, a beautiful ceremony. So since they're not here, congratulations. Congratulations, guys. We're proud of them, and, uh, and we're excited as they start their life together. And so I get the opportunity to continue the series that Pastor Rocky started a couple of weeks ago called Community Is Our Middle Name. Community Is Our Middle Name. Listen, if you've not seen or heard the messages from the last couple of weeks, let me strongly encourage you to listen to the podcast or go online and watch the services for yourself. Such great content, such a great uh, foundation of, of what we believe here at DCC, what's really important to us. A small review could not do it justice, but I'll try my best. But if you missed either of the last couple of weeks, please go back and catch up. You need to hear those messages. But Pastor Rocky has been talking about how community describes who we are, what we do, and why we do it. And he said that we are created for community, community in the body of Christ, community with each other. In fact, we were created and designed with a need to live in a network, a web of relationships. That's how God created us, because we are created in his image. And then last week, Pastor Rocky talked about Community in the context of our church and the body of Christ and how the body of Christ is not about uniformity, it is about unity. And as Paul says in Ephesians 4, that we should do everything that we can to maintain and protect the unity of the bond of the spirit of peace. And because of that, we are going to be different. There's going to be diversity in the body, but that we need to strive to keep that unity. And when the church is unified, we cannot be stopped. And then there was such great information last week, practically speaking, of how to maintain that unity, how to deal with conflict when someone else in the body of Christ offends us. How do we go to them in the right time, in the right place, with the right attitude? And so I'm telling you, if you missed any of these, please go back and listen. Um, but uh, but we're going we're gonna to pick up in week three today. Our text today is going to be Matthew chapter 28. We'll start in verse 16 here in just a moment. But I've got to let you know that we are switching gears in this series. We are gonna change our focus a little bit. The last couple of weeks have been foundational for where this series needs to go. It's about us. It's looking inward and saying, okay, for us as a community of believers, we need to live in unity with each other, and that is so, so, so important for us. But in the last couple of weeks, we've been looking inward. Today, we switch gears, and we are turning our attention and our focus outward. And so today, we're going to explore the topic of reaching out to the community. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go. Everybody say go. go. Everybody say go. go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. 
I thank you that you have created us and designed us with purpose, with intent. And so God, today as we discover your purpose for our lives, God, we just pray that you would speak to us, illuminate our hearts, light those places that we have been dormant, God, and allow us to say yes to your calling for our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. For me, my personality, the way that I am wired, I am, for all intents and purposes, a rule follower. If there is a rule in place, I feel compelled to follow that rule. I think there are probably some of you like me, which means that if there is ever a time in my life where I am handed some instructions, a manual, anything like that, I am very likely to to pour over the information in that manual, to study it, to memorize it, to know all of those things, and then follow all of the instructions. Again, I know that I do not represent everyone with what I'm saying right now. I know that some of you are like, yes, that ministers to my soul. That's who I am as a person as well. And some of you are like, that sounds really boring and really tedious, I like to be creative with my instruction following, right? And there are these two different schools of thought, and what I have found, at least personally, is that the person who enjoys following the instructions and the person who enjoys being creative, they find each other and they get married. (laughs) Because that's what happened in our home. I am definitely by the book, and Deanna is definitely the creative, we'll figure it out as we go, right? And, and so that, that, that has been a dynamic that we have learned over the years does not work when we try to put things together together. We don't do it. If there is something that needs assembled in our house that has instructions and directions with it, one of us will do it and the other one will just tell them that they're probably doing it wrong, right? Christmas morning with kids. Nobody warns you about Christmas morning with kids and then you have kids and then they open their presents and everything needs put together and everything needs batteries and everything has a different plastic zip tie that you have to cut for the love, right? Kids just expect to wake up and play with their gifts. We as parents, we get to assemble them after. It's like after the gifts are open, that's when like the real Christmas has to start for mom and dad. And so in our house, we've just kind of developed this system. One of us will assemble these things and then I'll go back and fix them. And so <laughs> for those of us, even though that are rule followers, that, are, that are, we follow the instructions, right? We don't ignore the instructions. Even for us, we find that we ignore instruction every once in a while. And if you're pushing back, just think, on your way to church, when you are operating that motor vehicle, any of our law enforcement in the room, pretend like the next few moments are not gonna happen so that we can have complete honesty, right? In the last week, in the last month, in the last year, have you ignored any instruction as far as the rules of the road? Maybe gone a little bit faster than the speed limit said. Maybe you rolled through a stop sign. Or maybe you're that person that you ignored the rule of the road, that when you are in the left lane on the interstate, oh, can I get an amen? You go slow in that lane. The Lord says to move, go to the center lane or to the right lane or to a whole nother road because we don't need that mess, I'm just saying. We ignore instruction without even sometimes realizing it. When you get that box of furniture in the mail, I mean like the furniture is in a flat box and you have to put it together and you see that symbol that says the big international no with a power tool in it, you're like, well, that obviously is a suggestion that is not for me, right? And so we're gonna go ahead and get the drill out and we're gonna make this twice as fast or maybe... 
We have all kind of ignored the instruction when we get that update that pushes through on our phone and we click that little box that says, I have read all of the terms and conditions. Twice, we have to do it twice now and ignore that twice. Maybe we tend to ignore the instructions that literally come in the packaging of a Nerf gun when it says, do not aim directly at eye or face. How am I gonna get a Nerf dart with a suction cup to land right there on my son's face if I don't aim at it? It's not gonna happen. So we ignore those instructions from time to time or maybe you ate that raw cookie dough ignoring the warning of salmonella or maybe you ended up with a sunburn because you ignored that you were supposed to reapply that sunscreen every two hours. We do this all the time. We ignore instruction all the time in inconsequential, small, little ways. But I am afraid that us as Christians, we have a tendency to ignore the instruction that we find in God's word as well. We have a tendency to read God's word, to hear God's word, to be taught God's word and just not get it. Or maybe it doesn't stick, or maybe we don't understand it, or maybe we do just flat out ignore what God's word is asking us to do. You see, James 1 and 22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. When we hear God's word, when we hear the instruction of God's word, but we ignore that and we don't do that, the Bible says we are fooling ourselves. We are deceiving ourselves in that moment. And so as we turn our attention back to Matthew chapter 28, our text for this morning, we see that in this passage of scripture that is considered and called the Great Commission, This is one of those passages that for a lot of us Christians, we read this, we know this. When I read this passage of scripture to you, when you opened it on your app or you opened it in your Bible, maybe it was even underlined and highlighted, we know it, but do we really get it? Are we really doing it? Are we really doing the word as far as what Jesus asks of us to do in Matthew chapter 28? Because in Matthew chapter 28, we see this scene where Jesus calls all of his disciples together for one last time before he is going to ascend to the Father. Now at this point in the history of Jesus's life, what we have had, this is post-resurrection, and so Jesus has already lived his life here on the earth, and he taught, and he preached, and he healed, and he did miracles, and then he was crucified, he was buried for three days, but then he was resurrected from the grave, and for 40 days, he appeared, and he preached, and he talked, and he visited people, and he reaffirmed the fact that he is indeed the risen Savior, and that he is worthy of our trust, he is worthy of that. Faith. And so, in this culminating moment, he calls his disciples together because this is going to be it. This is the last face to face conversation that he is going to have with these men that he has poured his life into, these men that he has discipled, these men that he has mentored, that he has lived side by side with for three years. And he calls them together, knowing this was going to be the last conversation that was going to look like this face to face. And what we know about Jesus is we know Jesus does not use words without intent. We know that all throughout the ministry of Jesus, when Jesus said something, it was intentional. When he used words, he used them for a reason and for a purpose. Don't you think that it's safe to assume that the last time he has the opportunity to address his disciples, that he is going to be intentional about the words that he uses, and so he gathers his disciples together and he tells them their purpose. He downloads to them what their next step is. And when he says, I'm leaving, but here's what I want you to do, I want you to go. Everybody say go. I want you to go and I want you to make 
disciples. Now think about the crowd that is gathered in front of him, these 11 men. He sees them as he's saying this and he's looking in their faces and he sees as he probably could make eye contact with Peter who just a month ago denied that he even knew Jesus but had been forgiven and brought back into the fold. He may make eye contact with Thomas who had doubted that Jesus resurrected but he was given the opportunity once again to believe. He's looking in the face of these men who he pleaded with to stay awake and pray while Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying and, and so in anguish that he is sweating blood because of his upcoming execution and these men fell asleep when he needed him the most. Or how about he's looking into the faces of these men that in the day that he was hanging on the cross, the sin of the world hanging on him, they were nowhere to be found because they were running for their lives. He looks at this group of men and he tells them to go. He looks at this group of men that had been forgiven and restored, that he had set free, that he had loved, that he had healed, and he said, listen, what I have done for you, I wanna do for everybody. I need you to go tell everybody else. What I have given you, how I have forgiven you, how I've set free, my desire is for that to happen for everybody, but I need you to be the ones to go and tell people about me and go and make disciples. You see, when we receive salvation, when we receive grace and mercy and forgiveness, it is not only for us to retain, but it is for us to also dispense. It is not for us to keep to ourselves, but to give away. It's not for us to stay, it is to go. Now, Jesus could have very easily brought all of these men together and say, listen, guys, that's been crazy, right? I mean, just like a month and a half ago, like the world was different and now I'm appearing and I'm about to ascend. You've had it rough, guys. Like you've said yes to me and you've been ridiculed and and it's been been a hard road. I'll tell you what, guys, do me a favor. Just, Just stay, just stay. Take it easy, take a load off, you're good. You guys get it? You've been with me. I've taught you all about the kingdom of God. You've seen God's power in example through me. So you've got to see this firsthand. Just do this, guys, keep the gang together. Just keep the gang together. And when you all get together, just go ahead and keep reminding each other about how much I changed you, about how much I healed you, about how much I love you. Just keep talking to each other about all that stuff. And make sure that you're careful, protect yourselves, because not everybody's gonna believe in this thing. And so I want you to be safe. I want you to be self-contained. I want you to, to just stick around with the people that believe exactly what you believe. But Jesus's last words to his disciples And his commission to us as followers of his is not to promote or encourage a life of insulated, protected, comfortable, stationary, safe living. Because we are not saved to stay. We are saved to go. You see, the mandate on our lives as Jesus followers is to take the life-changing power that God has, has instilled in our lives and the forgiveness that we've received, and it's to go and share that with others, to reach outside of the borders of familiarity and comfort in our lives, to reach outside of our family, outside of our friend groups, outside of our small groups, outside of our section community groups, outside for DCC, outside the walls of this church. And it's been said over and over through this series, as Pastor Rocky has taught about community inside of the church, is that we are created for community. And that is absolutely true. We are created for community. 
We are created to be in unity, to have community with other believers. We are created for community, but we are also created for our community. We are created as individuals and as a church to reach outside of the walls into our community. And I wanna pause this just for a moment because as I was preparing and praying for this sermon, something just, I mean, my, my heart was just, I just realized I needed to take this moment. And just for a moment, I wanna talk directly to the ladies that are joining us at the Florida Women's Reception Center. And ladies, I know that you are in a place right now that you don't have the option of reaching outside of the walls and the razor wire. But I believe that the Great Commission still applies to you, and I believe that God has plans for your life, and I believe that he will give you opportunities to make disciples and to reach into the community that you have there. God wants to use you right where you are. Amen? Amen. But for those of us at our Newberry campus and our Trenton campus and those even maybe joining us online that couldn't be here today, it is our calling to go into our community and share the life-changing message of the gospel, to share the truth that has set us free, to share that with others, to give people the opportunity to discover Jesus and begin a relationship with him to tell people about Jesus and make disciples so they can find the freedom that we have found. But I'm also not naive. I'm not ignorant to the fact that we live in a day and an age. We live in a culture, in a society at large that is drifting further and further away from Jesus. I don't think anybody in this room would disagree with a statement that I'm about to make that we live in a world, especially in the United States of America, that needs Jesus more than ever, but is less receptive to hearing about Jesus than ever before in the history of our nation. Research backs this up. Research proves what I'm saying right now. There was a study from Barna Research Group, which they track church growth and all kinds of things, and it was, this study was conducted in a 20-year period from 2020 to 2022. So all of these numbers are pre-COVID. I would say that our numbers are probably lower even now, three years past 2020, than they were when this study came out, but this is the most recent data we have. And so they polled the U.S., they polled people and said, what, what is your belief system? And in 20, or I'm sorry, in 2000, 80% of the population that they polled said, we are Christians. Now, that is a little bit misleading, and so they did a little bit more research and asked some more pointed questions because they were really trying to find who is an actual practicing Christian. Not you grew up in a church, but you never gave your heart to Christ. Not like that's what I check on a form because I guess my family is. No, no, no. Like practicing Christian, you follow Jesus. You attend a community of believers and those sorts of things. And so in 2000, that real number was 45%. 45% of the people that they polled in the U.S. said, I am a practicing Christian. In 2020, the number of people that claimed any kind of Christianity at all 20 years later was down from 80% to 68%, but the number of practicing Christians dropped to 23%. Three quarters, three quarters of the people that are around us all the time, three out of four people that we pass in the grocery store that you work with or whatever that looks like in your life do not follow Jesus Christ. And I believe that there's a lot of reasons for that, but I think one of those reasons is because trust in Christians, trust in the church is at an all-time low. 
We have had scandals in big churches and it's gone mainstream and there have been documentaries made about it and it erodes and eats away at the trust that the community might have in a church. Or maybe we've got people that have been hurt in church. They didn't see it on a documentary, they lived it. And somebody who said that they were a Christian, somebody who was supposed to be looking out for them didn't and they have some hurt because of that and because of that there's there's an erosion of trust and so they don't want anything to do with it anymore. Or maybe they're just kind of doing that whole like, well, church is just full of hypocrites, the generalization of the church at large. And they say, well, the church is just full of hypocrites and so I don't wanna do anything with that or I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want any part of that. Now listen, I, I am not here to try to make a case. I'm not try to, here to try to argue with any of that stuff because the reality is, is that for three quarters of our population, that perception is their reality. That's what they see, that's what they believe, that's what they know. And whether the trust issue for the world around us is because of this perceived reality or what the media has fed them or they suffered church hurt at their own hands or something that happened to them, the reality is, is that the issue stays the same. More and more people are less and less receptive to hear about the love of Jesus. They are less receptive to be preached to and discipled. You see, the world around us is growing darker and darker by the day. This is exciting stuff, isn't it? We're getting to the good part, I promise. The world is changing. The world is getting darker around us. But what has not changed is Matthew chapter 28. What has not changed is Jesus's commission for us to go into that world and make disciples. You see, our culture, our society at large, they might not wanna listen to what we have to say about Jesus. And so now more than ever, we have to be willing to show them Jesus. In the Roman Empire in AD 165 to 180, there was a plague that ripped through the entire Roman Empire at that time, and it was devastating. It was estimated that up to 5,000 people per day were dying, not to be graphic, but literally bodies in in, in mounds on the streets. And it was highly contagious, there was no cure, people didn't know how to stop it, and so it was rampant, it was spreading like crazy. This was also during the time of one of the heaviest persecution eras for Christianity in the Roman Empire. Christians at that time were being persecuted, they were being martyred, they were being killed, I mean, in, in grotesque, terrible ways as to make example to try to dissuade other people from even believing in Jesus or professing Christianity at all. And so these two things kind of came to a head when there was this massive plague that rolled through and people are dying left and right and Roman citizens are scared for their own lives and they don't know what to do, so they just start running. Entire towns just abandoned, left behind. And not just houses and structures, but people. They were leaving sick people behind. They were leaving family members behind because all they could think to do is run for their lives. And so there were all of these sick people that had no one to care for them. And you know who went into those areas? You know who went to those sick people at that time? It was the Christians. The Christians, they went in when everybody else left, when everybody else ran for their lives. They were the ones that showed up. 
They were the ones that went to the, the Roman citizens, that if they had their choice, if they were healthy, they would probably have persecuted themselves. They went in and administered aid. They brought them water. They fed them. They fixed their bandages. They loved and encouraged them, and many of them got sick in the process. There's no telling how many people in that era of time were saved because of the service of these Christians that went into the place that nobody else would go. But there's also no telling how many of those Christians also lost their lives because they decided to be there and to serve. See, in the middle of this overwhelming darkness, this literal plague that was sweeping through in the middle of this time of persecution, those who followed Jesus saw a rare but powerful opportunity to serve when no one else would. And it changed the Roman Empire drastically. People could not ignore the actions of these men and women who loved God so passionately that they would be willing to give up their lives in service to him. You see, the darker it was, the more their light was able to shine. It reminds me of a well-worn quote by St. Francis of Assisi that says, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. See, to reach our community, we're gonna have to show our community the love of Jesus before they will listen to us about the love of Jesus. We are called to show the love of God to our community. And we show God's love to our community by serving our community. Listen, at DCC, we are passionate about serving outside of these walls. We are passionate about serving our community. We are intentional about it. And it's why we invest in events like Family Fest. It's coming up a week from today is Family Fest. It's why we invest and we serve in Serve Month, where we have an entire month where every weekend we have projects dedicated to serving people around us. It's the reason that we have events like the Easter Egg Extravaganza, where we have thousands of people come on to our property to have a fun family day together, and it's safe and it's free, and we do this because we wanna reach out to our community. We wanna reach our community with practical life-changing God's love. We are passionate about serving our community with asking for absolutely nothing in return. We wanna meet their physical needs. We wanna be a blessing in our community. We wanna provide that opportunity for them to bring their family and have some fun with asking for no, nothing in return at all. And that's the reason that we don't charge for any of those events. And it's because of your uh, gracious giving that we're able to host those events on our property. It's the reason that we're able to go and do all those serve projects. But it's also the reason that you won't hear us preaching at Family Fest or at the Easter Egg Extravaganza, even though we have thousands of people and a captive audience, you won't hear us preaching from the microphone on those events. It's also the reason that there is absolutely no hidden agenda with our Serve Month projects. This next month, in the month of November, we're gonna be doing all kinds of projects. We'll be replacing flowers and flags and cleaning up gravestones and cleaning up cemeteries. And we're gonna be providing free oil changes for widows and for single moms. We're gonna be picking up trash on the roadside and putting together gift baskets, gift baskets for pediatric oncology patients. We're gonna be making freezer meals for foster families and we're gonna have other projects at schools and widows' homes and countless others. It's not a bait and switch. It's not a, hey, we're gonna do this for you, but now we really want you to hear about what we have to tell you while we have a captive audience. You see, we want our community to know that we're here for them and we love them. We want them to see the heart of God through our outstretched hands. 
That's the purpose. That is the point. And that is what we have to do to reach our community. We want to build trust with our community and let them see the love of Jesus through us. Matthew 5 and 16 tells us, in the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Ephesians 2 and 10 tells us, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen, Jesus was plain about it. We are called to go and we are created to serve. It is wired into our being. It is designed into us because we are created and designed in the image of our creator. Genesis 1.26 tells us that God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. You see, we are created to serve because we are created in the image and likeness of God, and God serves. In Philippians 2, 5 through 7, it says, have this mind among yourself, Paul says to the church in Philippi, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Can we put verse six back up there for just a moment? In verse six, there's, there's this temptation for me when I read this passage of scripture to read, who, through, though he was in the form of God, he made himself a servant. What, that, what I have a temptation to do is read this passage of scripture like I think most of us do, and, and we say it like this. Even though he was God, in spite of the fact that he was God, he came as a servant. But the real way that we need to read this scripture is because he is God, he came as himself. Because he is God, he came as a servant because that is the nature, that is the very nature of who God is. It's not something that Jesus had to put on it's not something that Jesus had to pretend to be, was a servant. Jesus was the character of God. He was God in human form. And we, when he came, he came as a servant, not just, to, not just to show off or not just to try to be an example for us. He came as a servant because that is the nature of God. And so when we serve someone, without asking for anything in return, when we reach out to our community, when we reach out to our friends and our family that does not know Jesus and we serve them without any hidden agenda and we serve them simply just to tell them it's because God loves you and I love you too. When we serve them like that, we are becoming like Jesus because that is who Jesus is. You see, Jesus served us when we did not deserve it. Jesus served us and asked nothing in return except our acceptance and forgiveness of his forgiveness for us. Jesus served us all the way to the cross. And when we serve others, we become like Jesus because it is in the very nature of Jesus to serve. And so Jesus calls us to go. We've been created to serve. And he, he asks us to go and to serve because he loves people that are far from him and he wants those people that don't know him to accept his love. But Jesus also calls us to serve because of what happens to us when we serve. There was a study that was done, some psychologists got together and they, they started to figure out and study the brain chemistry, the psychological effects of serving other people expecting nothing in return. And the results were overwhelmingly positive, as you can imagine. When people served someone else, their self-esteem increased. 
The symptoms of depression decreased. Feel-good hormones like serotonin, oxytocin, endorphins, dopamine were released from the brain when they would serve people without asking for anything in return. Simply put, when we serve others, it changes us. It changes our brain chemistry, but not just our brain chemistry. You see, it changes our heart. When we serve someone else asking for nothing in return, then we put our pride to the side, and that is when God can form us into the men and women that he wants us to become. When my pride is out of the way, when I am serving someone else, when my hand is extended simply just to show them how much God loves them, God can do a work on the inside of me and make me more like him. So let's go. Not like right now, but let's go. Let's go. Let's fulfill the Great Commission. Let's go and make disciples. Let's go into our community and let's serve like Jesus. Let's serve people that need Jesus at our job, in our schools, in our friend groups, maybe even in our homes. Let's serve the people that will be on the DCC campus here and this year for the first time in Trenton for Family Fest next week. Let's serve the people that show up for the Easter egg extravaganza in the spring. Let's serve during serve month as we complete these projects for people all throughout the communities here in Newberry and in Trenton, but not just there, but in Gilchrist County, Alachua County, and all of the surrounding areas. Let's serve well. And let's serve well without expecting anything in return so that our community will know why community is our middle name. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.